At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, bless this word now. And we thank you for how this word's going to bless your people. The person who is saved, the person who is healed, the person who is delivered, the person who is encouraged, the person who is strengthened. Not only in the sanctuary, but God, those who are joining us virtually and online, we thank you for how this word is going to bless them. God, you get the glory. Let fresh anointing remain upon our lives. And I ask, as always, God, that you'll let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. I want to thank uh, Joe and Darren and this wonderful praise team. Thank you again, Sunday after Sunday, how you all bless us so in song. Now, did y'all write that song? Okay, it's just one of those that's just in line with this message. Amen. God be praised. To those of you who are sharing with us virtual online, again, I'm so glad that you are sharing with us today. And again, I pray that God just moves mightily in your home right now as the word of God is going forth to you. In Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8 and reading down to verse 15, the word of God reads like this. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm teaching from this theme, Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. On this Sunday morning, we come to church like all other Sundays to give God glory, honor, and praise. 
We give God glory and honor and praise because of what he has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ, who went to a hill called Calvary, and there he was crucified on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He was buried in another man's tomb, but Sunday morning he got up from the grave and declared all power in heaven and earth is in his hands. And so, beloved, when we come to worship, we do not come to worship God in some general manner. No, we come to worship God as the one that we know who made himself preeminently known through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And so every time we come to worship, we come with the conviction that we cannot be casual about Jesus, but that we must take a stand firm on Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The theme of this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae has to do with the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. This is to say that everything we need in life, that we can find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus is all I need. Come on, look at somebody, tell him he's talking my language right now. Jesus is all I need. The Apostle Paul understood that there were false teachers who was trying to deceive and lead the Christians at Colossae astray and to take them away from their conviction in Jesus Christ. And so in the very opening of this letter in chapter 1, Paul prays for them and he's praying that they would not be deceived by this particular group of false teachers. When you look at chapter 1, verse 9, listen to what Paul says in this prayer. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul prayed that the Christians at Colossae would be protected from false teachers. The false teachers was the group of persons known as the Gnostics. And Gnosticism was a combination of uh, Oriental mysticism, Greek philosophy, and uh, Jewish legalism. The Gnostics believed that uh, everything that was of matter was evil and only that which was spiritual had value. So the Gnostics, they denied the incarnation of Christ. They denied the crucifixion of Jesus and they denied the resurrection of Christ. The Gnostics denied, they did not believe that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And so it is Paul then who is standing tall. It is Paul who is given this rebuttal, if you please, against the Gnostics and saying to the Christians at Colossae that you cannot let anybody lead you away from Christ. 
In the first chapter, in verse 9, Paul speaks of this in a general way. But when you come to our text today, Paul now goes from talking about it generally, and now he begins to talk about it with some specificity. Listen to what Paul says in verse 8. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Paul says beware beware that anybody tricks you beware that anybody uh, deceives you beware uh, that anybody sagaciously seduces you beware that anybody kidnaps you beware that anybody leads you astray beware that you get spiritually pimped Beware. And this teaching of the Gnostics, it was hollow and it was deceitful because, first of all, it had to do, Paul says, with the traditions of men. The word tradition means that which is handed down. And what is most important about any body of teaching is its origin. Where did it come from? Did it come from man or did it come from God? And then this teaching of the Gnostics was also, it was hollow and it was deceitful because it had to do with the rudiments of the world when Paul says in our text he says the basic principles of the world that could be translated as the rudiments of the world and in ancient Greek uh, thinking the rudiments had to do with the elemental spirits and the heavenly bodies and so the Gnostics believed that it was the angels and it was their heavenly bodies that determined uh, our movement and determined who we are as persons but this teaching was erroneous and it was false and Paul says don't let people deceive you don't let them kidnap you don't let them sagaciously lead you in the wrong direction and I've said to you on more than one occasion beloved that everybody talking about God is not talking for God so you need to understand the importance of what discernment is like because you ought to have discernment which you like American Express Take, don't leave home without it listen, listen to other scriptures in the word of God that speaks to us about being spiritually responsible about what we hear and how we let people speak into our lives listen to what Paul said to his son in the ministry Timothy when he was coming to the closing days of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4 listen to what Paul says in verse 1 I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching listen now carefully to what Paul says here he says for the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables but you be watchful in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry beloved I think it could be that that time has come in our time when people have now itching ears and rather than wanting the truth of God's word they just want their own desires they come to church and they just want a kind of consumeristic kind of teaching they just want to hear about what God's going to do for them but they're not interested in what they're supposed to do with God they are satisfied with a kind of shallow understanding of spirituality they don't mind using the name God but the name God seemingly doesn't mean anything serious to them anymore and some of us because we allow celebrities and other people who have notoriety uh, to make us think that something is legitimate because so and so said it so so and so says God and so and so starts talking some positive things about God I don't care what the movie actor says I don't care what the athlete says I don't care what the rich person said using the name God. I want to know who are you talking about? It seems now that we have an amalgamation of religion. We have, uh, uh, we have, well, now you take a little bit of Christianity and put with it a little Islam and put with it a little Buddha and put with it a little Zoroastrian, put with it a little New Age religion and put with it some Christian Scientology. We, we have a kind of spiritual goulash, if you please. But the question is, is Jesus Lord because the God I serve is the God who will have no other God beside him. He ain't sharing his platform, his platform with any other false gods. And as the people of God, we need to know what we believe concerning our God and our Christ. Well, let me give it to you like this. If you look at 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, look at what John says in, in verse 18 in 1 John chapter 2, that is the epistle of John. He says, as little children it is the last hour and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour see there is the title antichrist singular and there's the term antichrist plural and so don't think that the devil ain't got his emissaries don't think the devil ain't got his preachers. Don't think that the devil ain't got his evangelists. I almost said a second time this morning, you better be careful of the company that you keep. And you better be watchful about what you listen to and who you speak into your life. I'm telling somebody that you got to know this book called the Bible so you can stand on the truth, but you can't stand on what you don't know. You're teaching Walter Malone Jr. And when you go over, when you go over, have mercy, Lord. When you go over to verse 22 in that same 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, again, listen to what John says. He says, who is a liar? 
but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist who denies the father and the son whoever denies the son does not have the father either he who acknowledges the son has the father also did you hear what i just read if you deny jesus you have denied god you can't have the father unless you have the son jesus said when you've seen me you've seen the father I'm a Jesus only person and Jesus is all I need. Let me give it to you one more time. Listen to what Jude says in his epistle. In, in Jude's epistle he says, verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That's the calling of our lives. The call of our lives as the people of God is to contend for the faith which was delivered unto us. It's not just Pastor Malone's responsibility to contend for the faith, but every Christian, every man, every woman who has confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, you ought to contend for the faith. And the first place you ought to contend for it is in your house. Make sure your spouse knows who Jesus is. Make sure, parents, that your children know who Jesus is. Protect your house. Then we ought to contend for the faith in the house of God in the church. Because we're living in a time where strange fire is making its way to the altar. But we got to make it clear that we are sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then, beloved, how? How do you keep from being spiritually deceived? How do you keep from being spiritually tricked? How do you keep from being spiritually kidnapped? How do you keep from being spiritually pimped? How do you do it? I'm glad you asked me. Because Paul says in verse 9 and 10, he says that the way that you keep from people misusing you and leading you astray is he says be clear on who Jesus Christ is and what he means to you. I'm almost through today. Listen to what Paul says in verse 9. He says in, he says in verse 9, uh, Paul says, listen, he says, For in him, he's talking about Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in verse 10 he says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He says, For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The word fullness there in the Greek is the word polarima. It means the sum total of who God is, his character and all of his attributes. Paul says that in Jesus Christ there is the polarima, there is the sum total of all of who God is. We understand that Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. We understand that God leaves the precincts of glory and he steps down into a world marred by sin. And Jesus Christ came into the world for no other purpose than to bless us. He came into the world for no other purpose than to redeem us from our 
our sins. Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. Let me say it again that Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. That Jesus Christ is God. He is all of the divinity that you could put in dust. And so Paul in Philippians chapter 2, he says to us, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, which is another way of saying Jesus thought it not too presumptuous to be equal with God, but he humbled himself and made himself and took the form of a man and, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And when Paul said, that God in Christ emptied himself and took on the form of a man. Beloved, this is the great doctrine of the kenosis. And the great doctrine of the kenosis says that when Jesus emptied himself, he did so without losing one drop of his divinity. That he takes on flesh, but he was still God manifested in the flesh. Oh, hallelujah. That's, that's shouting information that's shouting information that's shouting information I've, I've got a God in Christ who was thirsty but yet he could tell me that I can drink of his water and I'll never get thirsty again I've got a Christ who, who became weary and worn and yet at the same time he could say to me come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me because my yoke is easy and my burden in his life. I've got a Christ who could get caught in a storm and yet stand up in the same storm and say peace be still. I've got a Christ who will die on a cross but he won't stay dead. He gets up Sunday morning with all power in his hands. He wasn't God one day and man the next day. He was the God man every day all day long and now God has given him a name that's above every name and at the name of Jesus one day every knee is going to bow every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God I wish I had somebody that will holler back at me right now and shout hallelujah but it gets better I'm almost through. Come on, tell somebody, this thing gets better. Because verse 10 says, verse 10 says, it is this Christ, it is this Christ, who, who had the polarima, the fullness of God, in him. Paul says, now you, are complete in him. Every man, every woman that comes to Jesus, you are whole. You are complete in him. And your completeness, here's your place to scream. So let me say it slow so you can just scream. You are complete you are whole and listen it's not about addition it's about nutrition 
because your completeness has to do with the growth that's taking place from the inside out it's what you got in you that's making you whole that's making you complete I don't care what your life was like before you met Jesus it don't even matter what your past was because God ain't focusing on your yesterday he's focusing on your today and your tomorrow so whatever had you broken whatever had you fragmented brother sister you ain't broken no more you ain't fragmented no more God has picked up the broken pieces and God says you're healed you're restored you're whole you are complete God says I'm gonna do something new in your life and you got a bright side somewhere and you ought to start praising God for what's about to happen in your life But pastor in 21 this happened And pastor in 21 that happened And pastor in 21 I had to cry And pastor in 21 I was walked away from And pastor in 21 I had tragedy And I had trials And I had troubles News bulletin It's 22 News bulletin, it's a new day. I was, I, I, I went to see Matrix Resurrection. I went to see Matrix Resurrection. And you're here just again, lady, in a, in a message all by itself. I like preaching movies that can have biblical undergirding. I saw first Matrix, second Matrix, I saw Matrix Res Resurrection, and, and the Matrix has to do with what world you want to live in. So Neo Anderson has to decide if he's gonna take the red pill or the blue pill, which means he's got a choice. And God gave all of us a choice. You gotta decide what world you want to live in. Because when Neil Anderson was living in one world, there were other people who was deciding where he could go and what he could do, and the other people who placed limitations upon him. But when he got in the matrix, he found he had power that he didn't know he could have. So now in Matrix Resurrection, Mr. Smith wants to come back and do him harm again because the devil will leave but he will return and when Mr. Smith thinks that he's got Neil Anderson and Trinity where he wants him he wants to say to them what, what makes you think that you have won and Neil Anderson Trinity looks at Mr. Smith and says because we know we have another chance. I'm trying to tell somebody that the devil's trying to make you think 
that you ain't got no tomorrow. The devil's trying to make you think that was all over with when you went through your last trial. And the devil wants to know why do you keep going to church? Why do you keep reading the Bible? Why do you keep on praying? Tell him because I realize that in spite of whatever I had to go through, God gave me another chance. And I'm getting ready to make the most of what God gave me. I can't change what happened yesterday, but I got a choice about my future. I wish I had somebody that could shout at me and holler, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the power. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Paul, having explained to us who Jesus is and that we are complete in Christ, then what he does, when you pick up with verse 11 through verse 15, he spiritually accentuates it. He spiritually augments it. And so I'm going to I'm going to just close this out. I'm not going to read those. I'm just going to cut across the field and give you a summation. Paul says that the reason you can live so powerfully and so prolific, he says it's because it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul says in a very real sense, he says when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he said you died with him. And when he was buried, you were buried with him. And when he was resurrected, you was resurrected with him. And so since you've died, since you've been buried, ah, <laughs> ah Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. And since you've been resurrected with him, he says sin ain't got no power over you now. The devil can't keep on yanking your chain. He says that on Friday, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the devil thought he was winning, but he lost. And Jesus put him to a public shame, did it in his face, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, and Sunday morning got up from the grave, and Jesus looked at the devil and said, how you like me now? I'm the hero of Calvary, and paradise is prepared, and I got a name that's above every name. Beloved, we, we've got victory in Jesus we got victory in Jesus oh oh beloved in shady green pastures so rich and so sweet God leads his dear children along on the mount where the sun shines so bright God leads his dear children along sometimes in the valley in the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, 
some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. You are victorious. You are a conqueror and more than a conqueror in Christ because God gives you his presence, gives you his peace, gives you his power, gives you his protection. You have to win. You have to win. You have to win. Come on, look at three people, tell them, I have to win, I have to win, I have to win. <laughs> I got too much working for me. I've got to win. I've got a God on my side. Jarrell, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hooping today. But you can give me a little, a little back up here, cause I feel a shout in this house. Some people shout about what God has done, and that's a good reason to shout. Thank God for memory. And some people shout about what God is doing presently in their life. But this morning, I'm making an appeal to every man, to every woman, to everybody joining with me virtually in that home, wherever you are. I'm speaking to everybody joining virtually online and those in the house who whatever you have been facing and whatever you may see yourself going through that you've already had a little talk with Jesus about it. So I want to make an appeal that everybody who knows that you got to win because you got too much working for you, I want you to get ready to give God a radical praise, a crazy praise, an undignified praise for what God is about to do in your life because Jesus is all I need. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, give him glory, give him honor, give him praise. Jesus is all I need. He's all, he's all. 
Oh, he's all I need. He's all I need. He's all I need. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your supremacy. Thank you for your sufficiency. Jesus, you're all I need. Everything I've ever needed you to be, you've been that and you've been more. All I will ever need, you will be that. You will be the source of my supply. You will be the source of my strength. You are the center of my joy. So we thank you, God, afresh for Jesus Christ. Seal this word now in the heart of every man and every woman. <clears throat> Let them know from the depths of their soul they cannot lose. I don't care how bad it appears. They cannot lose. They have to win. They got too much going for them to lose. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.